from calling out corrupt politics, citing the United States Constitution, books born in American history. You're the relentless patriots. Now, without further ado, here is the most relentless patriot of them all, relentless patriot Frank. Good evening, everyone out there in Relentless Patriot land. Relentless Patriot Frank here with another Relentless Rant. Um, what an amazing time we had today at the All Lives Matter rally in support of patriotism and freedom and not backing down to the tyrannical measures that are currently going on in the United States. I first want to thank everyone for being part of this channel and be part of this network. It truly is something special. Uh, we grew our membership to 241 now, or almost 242 likes and subscribers. And I want to thank you all for being a part of this. Because without you, the Relentless Patriot Nation would not exist. So with that being said, let's dive right into what I wanted to talk about. You know, first, the, the All Lives Matter rally movement was amazing. Met a lot of great people there. And a lot of patriotic people there. And from what I found out is that patriotism is alive and well in America. It is not dead like the left wanted to be, you know, want other people to believe that it is. It is alive and well. And the silent majority is finally waking up. And I am so proud of all the people that have had finally decided to get up and get out and start protesting against these hooligans, against these Creants and let you know against these people that have caused countless amounts of problems in our society. And they want socialism, tyranny to overwhelm the American populace, to overwhelm our system. I had spoken at the rally today for a little bit and I wasn't even, you know, really uh, planning on it. But from what the energy that I felt there was just absolutely amazing. And having people rally for patriotism, whether for, and I want you guys to understand the difference between rallying for patriotism and then rallying for tyranny. There are two different things that happen. And I think you guys know that. Two different things that are very, very important to keep in mind. If you're for tyranny, you're for terror, plain and simple. If you're for patriotism, then you are for pro-America. And I think all of you guys know that. And it's very, very important that we do this today. You know, and... um. Let's talk a little bit about what a typical socialist is. A typical socialist, ladies and gentlemen, is not a union guy who wants higher wages, who wants a raise. It's a it's a transsexual eco-feminist who marches in Antifa and BLM rallies and throws cement blocks at her political opponents. Now, how did we get here? To understand identity socialism or identity politics, we must meet the man who figured out how to bring its various strands together. His name was Herbert Marcuse. Um, and this story is about Marcuse's revolution. I want you guys to be very well aware about this socialist revolution. Another German, unfortunately, but a German philosopher who was part of Jewish descent. Okay, Marcuse studied under the philosopher Heidegger before escaping Germany prior to the Nazi ascent. After stints at Columbia, Harvard. Oh, look, Harvard, another one of those liberal safe havens. Just like we saw with the Boston bombing and some of those professors that were arrested uh, a couple months ago for conspiracy, uh, conspiratizing with Chinese spies. Okay. And so what had happened there um, after he went to these, you know, these little rallies, these little rants that he had at, at uh, all these prestigious universities. And I mean, still to this day, Columbia, Harvard and Brandeis are still one of the, you know, only liberal universities around to actually allow this type of Marxist behavior or socialist behavior to keep occurring. Um, Marcuse moved to California where he joined the university of California in San Diego and became the guru of the new left in the sixties, AKA like I was talking about the other week, the hippiest movement. And for those of you that don't know about the hippiest movement, that's exactly what's been going on right now. Okay. Especially when it comes to the, teachings that the radical leftists are teaching our youth, indoctrinating our youth with, right? The hippies, the hippie class. Yeah, peace and love, fight the power. Yeah, but what power are you fighting exactly? Because last time I saw, we were all free. 
Last time I saw, we were not a press, right? So anyway, we're talking about, for those of you just tuning in, Marcuse, okay? Herbert Marcuse, who is a, he was a, of Jewish descent, and he also happened to be a Nazi. What an oxymoron for that. And it was a leftist at best, right? So Marcuse influenced a whole generation of young radicals from whether underground co-founder Bill Ayers to yippie, you know, activist Abby Hoffman to Tom Hayden, who is all president of the activist group Students for a Democratic Society. SDS is the abbreviation for those of you who want to look it up. Okay. And Angela Davis, who later joined the Black Panthers and also ran for vice president on the Communist Party ticket, was a student of Marcuse and also one of his protégés. It was Marcuse, Davis said, who taught me that it was possible to be an academic activist, scholar, and revolutionary. You know, so you got people from the Black Panther movement. You got people from the socialist movement. You get all these liberal professors spewing their hatred and nonsense towards people. I mean, it's no wonder that you get what you get at the end of the day. And correct me if I'm wrong, we got to be aware of these things. You know, I also, when I was at the rally today, also gave a speech against the radicalization, the indoctrination of our youth. And this is very, very similar to what we were talking about there. How all these liberal professors have magically infiltrated our universities and even at the local and public levels, right? They're infiltrating our universities there. So this is a big, big problem, guys. And we got to be more and more aware of this together, right? So we're going to talk about, continue to talk about Marcuse. So Marcuse egged on the activists of the 1960s to seize buildings and overthrow the hierarchy of the universities as a kind of a first step to fomenting socialist revolution in America. Interestingly enough, it was Ronald Reagan then who was the governor of California, who got Marcuse fired. So kudos to Ronald Reagan for back in the day for fighting this stuff. And this is kind of what we have to do today. We got to learn about history in order for us to move forward, right? So whatever politicians that we have that are still for freedom, we got to encourage them to fire these people at these universities, right? Okay, so it goes on to say here, and just reading a story here, still Marcuse retained his celebrity and influence over the radicals of that time. He did not, of course, create the forces of identity socialism, but he saw perhaps earlier than anyone else, how could they form the basis for a new and viable socialism in America? That's the socialism that we are dealing with now. And this is very, very important to understand. We let too many of these people infiltrate our schools. We let too many of these people, you know, say whatever they want to, to our youth, to our children for God knows how long now. And we all need to be aware of these situations. And I'm pretty sure you guys understand that. To understand the problem that Marcuse confronted, we have to go back to Marx. Marx saw himself as a prophet, not the instigator of the advent of socialism. We think of Marx as some sort of activist seeking to organize a workers' revolution, quote unquote. But Marx emphasized from the outset that the socialist revolution would come inevitably. Nothing had to be done to cause it. The Marxist view is nicely summed up by one of Marx's German followers, Karl Kautsky, who wrote, Our task is not to organize the revolution, but to organize ourselves for the revolution. It is not to make the revolution, but to take advantage of it. And that's a very dangerous notion in terms of socialist propaganda, right? We are the revolution. We're going to organize. Well, what's starting? What's stopping the patriots from organizing? from working together to fight and combat this disgusting doctrine, this mindset. Like, I don't know about you guys, socialism should have been outlawed a long, long time ago. And we're here right now currently dealing with this nonsense. You know, just saying hi to a couple of our viewers here. We got, we're live right now on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube all together, all three platforms. Hello, Victor. How are you, sir? Ravian, good, good day to you, sir. It's great, you know, great to see you on. Um, you know, we're talking more about socialism and the and the co-founders, if you would say, about the revolution that's currently taking place and how it happened in, in, in time and in history. So, again, we're talking about this goofball, this ridiculous Jewish Nazi, if you want to call him that, because he actually had he was of Jewish descent and he was a Nazi, a German philosopher. OK, his name was Herbert Marcuse. Look up his name if you're not familiar with it. But uh, 
he's a very important person I want to talk about because if you want to talk about how Marxism got here in the 1960s with the hippies, look to this man. Look to him as the cause, the issue of why we have what we have today with the hippiest movement of the past. To understand, guys, the problem is to identify it, okay, to know the history behind it and how it happened. This is very, very important for all of us to know at this point, right? Because we don't know our history. We're in serious, serious trouble. And I think all you guys know that by now, okay? So let's talk more about the story here, okay? So, but what happens when the working class is too secure and confronted to revolt? Karl Marx didn't anticipate this. In fact, the absence of a single worker revolt of the kind Marx predicted anywhere in the world is a full and decisive refutation of scientific Marxism. Scientific is in quotes, by the way. So it's an experiment, guys. Marx had no intention of unleashing what he wanted to do unless he had enough people to do it. And that's what we have to do with patriotism. There's not enough of us, right? We need to fire back, fire back, fire back hard. Okay. In the early 20th century, Marxists across the world were fully aware of this problem. Okay. Now, Lenin, who was a good friend, you know, later on of the Marxist movement, solved it by assembling a professional cadre of revolutionaries. If the revolution would not be done by the working class, he insisted it would have to be done by them. Okay. So, as you guys can see in this little article that I'm reading about, about this philosopher, this crazy man, and Karl Marx, and uh, you know, at, as a whole, Karl Marx originally had the working class fight for you know, like union rights and raises, et cetera, et cetera. So then it goes on to say, well, after a while, the workers weren't having it. They're like, well, what are we standing up for? What is this movement all about exactly? So the workers got disenfranchised to be Marxists or socialists because they saw their money being given to other people, and it was disgusting, right? They weren't about that. They're like, we just want higher wages. We don't want our money being controlled as to where it needs to go, right? We don't want to be overly, overly taxed. They already saw this happening. So getting workers involved in the Marxist movement was already flawed. Okay. You know, this is a very, very important thing to remember. So when socialism fails, what do they do? They go after our youth. They go after our children, right? They go after people that are willing that don't even have a job that aren't working, such as what you're seeing right now with Black Lives Matter. What you're seeing with Antifa, they're all part of this movement, guys. You know, so Marcuse defined the problem in the way in the same way Lenin did. Okay. If the working class isn't up for socialism, and I just said it, where can one find a new, you know, uh, a new class of people to bring it about? A new type of people, right? Marcuse knew that modern industrialized countries, such as the United States, couldn't assemble the types of landless peasants and professional soldiers. You know, the feudal society. So automatically, these type of people have targeted poor people, have targeted people that are oppressed, have targeted what you're seeing today. And that's why you're getting what you're getting, ladies and gentlemen. That's exactly it. You know, so um, this is the problem. Lenin, and I did, a, I did a nice, great live video about Lenin, about the history of Lenin, how he got his students as he was, again, like we're seeing today. He was a professor in a college. He was also another philosopher about how things should be a little more fair for people, right? And we see how fair things are getting, aren't we, folks? Yeah, I think so, right? So let's go, let's dive more into this article real quick, you know? And this is, this is a big, big problem. They're trying to get the working class involved and working class didn't want it. You know, clearly they knew that Americans wouldn't fall for it either because America is for America and it's not for socialism. Right. So we're talking about socialism and how they rose consciousness towards it. OK, so Marcuse looked around to identify which groups had a natural antipathy to capitalism. Marcus Marcuse knew that he could count on the bohemian artists and intellectuals who had long hated industrial civilization, in part because they considered themselves superior to businessmen and shopkeepers. These self-styled outcasts were natural recruits for what Marcuse termed the great refusal, the visceral repudiation uh, of free market society. So even in the past, back in the 60s and 70s, we're talking about 
hippies and artists and, and professional baristas, if you want to call them that, right? All the people that we see today were also targeted back then. These free-minded people, these hippies, right? These liberals. Okay, now, the article that I'm reading from goes on to say this. The problem, however, was that these bohemians were confined to small sectors of Western society. Right? The, the, the Schwabing section of Munich, the left bank of Paris, Greenwich Village in New York, and a handful of university campuses. Well, of course, they're going to go to campuses where all the yuppies go, right? So by themselves, they were scarcely enough to hold a demonstration, let alone make a revolution. So you can see right away, these, Mar you know, these Marxist cowards, these socialist cowards, even back in the 60s, started doing the same things that you're seeing today. And it's important everyone needs to know about this history. Okay? You know, so they took advantage of, of artists. They took advantage of people on universities and, you know, probably more well-off to do small sex in certain countries where they can, you know, spew their propaganda and make people feel guilty about themselves, a.k.a. this white privilege guilt, a.k.a. you are, you, you know, or you are oppressed. You go to college and you're oppressed and you're, you know, you don't have any money because of the, because of the free market society, because of capitalism. They put you here. When meanwhile, you're going to a prestigious university. Sounds an awfully, you know, an awful lot like what's going on right now, doesn't it? And I think a lot of you can agree with that, you know, and yeah, guys, what a group, you know, fortunately for, for Karl Marx, he wasn't around to see it, but Marcuse was, he was one of the original founders at, on these universities, you know, that this is the problem. You're talking about someone who literally has said this against the people that he was trying to control. Okay. How could people of this sorry stripe of individuals these slack, spoiled products of post-war prosperity, these parodies of humanity, these horny, slothful loafers, completely divorced from real-world problems and neurotically focused on themselves, their drugs and sex lives, and mind-numbing music serve as the shock troops of revolution. So he was even mocking the same people that he wanted to carry forth his little revolution. But the thing was, it's because they were easily controllable, right? He was a radical political theorist, right? So he got them all aboard and made them feel all oppressed and told them that socialism was something that everyone can benefit from. And they were easily, you know, blinded by it. They were easily bamboozled by it. And I think a lot of you guys can see this already. You know, um, perhaps there was a way to instruct them in oppression. This article goes on to say about Marcuse. Perhaps there was a way to instruct them in, I just said it, oppression. To convert their spiritual anomaly into political discontent. Marcuse was confident that an activist group of professors could raise the consciousness of a whole generation of students so they could feel subject to oppression, even if there were no objective forces oppressing them. Sounds awfully familiar to what's going on right now. Then they would become activists to fight not someone else's oppression, but their own. You guys got to pay attention to what's going on. How you doing, guys? Reading from an article about Herbert Marcuse, who actually was a Jewish Nazi and who took the hippie class of the 60s. And we're learning about the history now. Right. He took them and used them. Marcuse portrayed Ho Chi Minh. Oh, look at this. And I made an article about this as well. You know, in, um, in a live video, Marcuse portrayed Ho Chi Minh and the Viet Cong as a kind of third world proliferate fighting to free itself from American hegemony. This represented a transposition of Marxist categories. The new working class were the Vietnamese freedom fighters. The evil capitalists were American soldiers serving on behalf of the U.S. government. Marcuse's genius was to tell leftist students in the 1960s, that the Vietnamese freedom fighters could not succeed without them. Only the internal weakening of the superpower, Marcuse wrote in an essay on liberation, quote unquote, can finally stop the financing and equipping of suppression in the backward countries. In his vision, the students were the freedom fighters, quote unquote, within the belly of the capitalist beast. Together, the revolutionaries at home and abroad 
would collaborate in the great refusal. All right, and the great refusal that we're talking about is free market society, a capitalist society. They would jointly end the war and redeem both Vietnam and America. And with and what would this redemption look like? Would you ask? In Marcuse's words, collective ownership, collective control, and planning of the means of production and distribution. In other words, socialism. Right? Socialism. That's what we have to be most afraid of. And using these different types of people for socialism is very, very dangerous. Right? Because we already know these people are unhinged. Right? They are unhinged. They are angry with society for whatever reason, you know, whatever reason they feel like. And that's a big, big problem. You know? Okay, so now we got to the young people, right? Marcuse looked around America for prospective, you know, protégés, per se. And he found, in addition to the students, three groups that were ripe for the taking. The first was, you guessed it, the Black Power Movement, which was adjunct to the Civil Rights Movement at the same, you know, occurring at the same time, right? In the 50s and 60s. Remember, we had Vietnam in the late 60s and we just had civil rights during the late 50s and 60s, right? So hand in hand, what's and same thing with what's going on now, right? We're, war, we're at war with certain people. We're at war with certain political parties. We're at war with communism and tyrannism, uh, you know, and tyranny and the black power movement. And I'm pretty sure you guys can understand that by now, right? The beauty of this group from Marcuse's point of view is that it would have to be instructed in the art of grievance. Blacks had grievances that dated back centuries, right? The African-American citizens already had grievances. They were already pissed off at this country, right? They already didn't want to be here. They already were, you know, annoyed at white people for doing what, you know, for, for whatever happened to them. They already were feeling a certain way back then, the same way they're feeling now. And meanwhile, we've made tremendous progress since 1950, since 1960. It's almost 70 years later, and we're still fighting over the same things. Anyone catch a drift to how can history repeat itself? I think you guys know it by now. Now, consequently, here is a group that could be mobilized against the status quo. And if the status quo could be identified with capitalism, here was a group that, could, that, that should be open to socialism, which is why to this day, everyone, most African-Americans are either socialists or, or uh, anti-capitalists or they're Democrats. And that's unfortunate. No one should be labeling anyone, but they kind of did it to themselves. And it's a shame because I know a lot of great patriots that are African-American that are afraid to speak out. And that, 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 that's not right. Right. We all know that's not right. That's not correct. You know, America is for everyone. And let's not forget that. Right. So through a kind of Marxist transposition, African-Americans will become the working class. The whites would be considered the capitalist class, the evil oppressors. Race in this analysis takes the place of class. I'll repeat that again. Race takes the place of class. So automatically, you associate race with classism. This is how we get Afro-socialism, right? The fist in the air. And from there, it's a short step to Latino socialism and every other type of ethnic socialism. He went after everybody, especially on liberal college campuses, as you guys know, which is still currently going on to this day. We've all been indoctrinated with these things for God knows how long now, right? Another emerging source of disgruntlement was, and you guys know this by now, the feminist groups. Marcuse recognized that with effective consciousness raising, they could be taught to see themselves as also an oppressed group. This, of course, would require another Marxist transposition. Women would now be viewed as the working class, and men are going to be put, you guessed it, in the capitalist class. So men are oppressing women. The class category would now be shifted to gender. And back then, women were allowed to work. They, they may not have had certain rights, but at the same time, this Marxist and socialist movement took advantage of women, took advantage of minorities, even back then in the 60s. And this is how sick it's getting, because what's happening in the past 
is, as you know, repeating itself. The amount of ethnic ethnic um, socialists around, the amount of people of color that want socialism, that feel oppressed, and same thing with women, right? I think all of you guys know that. How you doing, Tony? Good to see you on, sir. If you would like to talk for a little bit, feel free to come on. I'm just reading about an article in the 60s about this crazy, you know, if you want to call it that, Jewish Nazi, even though there's, there's very few people that are. But we're talking about Herbert uh, Marcuse, who is one of the defining liberal hippie socialists of the 1960s. And I'm speaking about how he infiltrated the schools back then how we got people that were oppressed or feeling oppressed to even now define the narrative and separate people up by class. And this is a very, very dangerous sentiment, isn't it? And it reminds me a lot of what's going on right now. If people didn't understand history, and that's why I think a lot of people are not educated about socialism and they're educated about Marxism or communism. It's a very dangerous plight. Now, Marcuse didn't write specifically about transgender people or homosexuals, etc. But he was more than aware of exotic and outlandish forms of sexual behavior. And the logic of identity socialism can easily be extended to all of these groups. So if you look at all the groups that are for what we're seeing right now, it's the same thing that this gentleman, if you want to call him that, this rude, crude, and lewd person did back then in the 60s. Once again, we need some creative Marxist transposition. We need artists, gays, and transgender people to become the newest proliferate. And heterosexuals, even black and female heterosexuals, become their oppressors. So he took all these people and started turning them against each other. And you can see that too in what's going on. Aside from class and race and gender, he did it by sexuality. So history does repeat itself clearly. I'm pretty sure you guys know that by now. Now, we're going to talk about the next subject here called intersectionality, okay? This is the roots of intersectionality. As the left now holds, one form of oppression that is good, but two is better, and three or more is best, right? If we're not going to, you know, if we can, if we can get African Americans to join us, good. Let's get the gays and, and, and transsexuals to join us. Let's get the feminists to join us. Let's get all these groups that have some type of an oppressive thought to join us in these socialist movements. And, it, you know, it goes on to say, the true exemplar of identity socialism is a black or brown male transitioning to be a woman with a third world background who is trying illegally to get into this country because his or her, oops, <laughs> country has allegedly been wiped off the map by climate change. These latest developments go beyond Marcuse. He didn't know about intersectionality, but he did recognize the emerging environmental movement as an opportunity to restrict and regulate capitalism. So here it is, guys. We're talking about, you know, the NWO. We're talking about how all these socialists and liberals, you know, claim so much and claim that climate change will fix the world. But if you're a white capitalist, you're the racist and you're part of the problem. So Marcuse, even back then, knew that going to these artists, going to these environmentalists, going to these eco-friendly nutjobs, that he can also get them to rally behind his socialist movement. The goal he emphasized was to drive ecology to the point where it is no longer containable within the capitalist framework. Although he recognized that this means first extending the drive within the capitalist framework. So he infiltrated businesses. He infiltrated universities. He infiltrated, you know, as far as, you know, going into public works and getting people from the unions to be a part of this. Oh, what's the matter? You're not eco-friendly. Who do you think you are? Who are you working for? You know, like he dared and guilt trip people into formulating and rallying for his movements, much like what's going on right now. Oh, if you're not for global climate change, you're part of the problem. You're a capitalist especially if you're white. Now you're a racist and a capitalist and you're an evil person because you don't believe in global climate change. You know, this is very, very disturbing. And I'm pretty sure all of you have had it. I know I've had it. You know, like, and it says here that 
the amount of the amount of places he infiltrated. Thousands. In the thousands. So imagine the universities and the people that were going to march for him. And the people that were going to rally for him. The amount of people that he got to do all these crazy things. All were involved with this socialist movement. Back in the 1960s of all, of all places. But I had said this before in the past. In some of my other live rants. Right? That the hippiest movement is responsible for what's going on currently. The anti-capitalists, the four communists, the peace, love, and drugs movement, all for socialism, all for communism, and all for infiltrating our youth's minds to this day. Now, it goes on to say this about intersectionality. Marcuse also inverted Freud to advocate the liberation of Eros, Freud had argued that primitive man is a single-mindedly is a single-mindedly, you know, being devoted to the pleasure principle. But as civilization advances, the pleasure principle must be subordinated to what Freud termed the reality principle. So also we're talking about sociology. Now who who uh, who here has been who has taken a social justice class forcibly? I I, I had to. Who else had taken a sociology class forcibly in in school? I did. So I understand exactly where all these nut jobs come from and what they're talking about. How these professors are allowed to claim whatever they want in the name of ethos or ego. Or what's in the air according to your feelings. So in other words, civilization is a product of the subordination of instinct to reason. Repression, Freud argued, is a necessary price we must pay for civilization. Now, Marcuse took this and argued that at some point, however, civilization reaches a point where humans can go the other way. They can release the very natural instincts that have been suppressed for so long and subordinate the reality principle to the pleasure principle. This would involve a release of what Marcuse termed polymorphous sexuality. And the reactivation of all erotogenic zones. We are a short distance here from the whole range of bizarre contemporary preoccupations from bisexuality to transsexuality and beyond. Marcuse recognized that mobilizing all these groups, the students, the environmentalists, the African-Americans, the feminists, the gays, etc., etc., would take time and require a great deal of consciousness raising or re-education. He saw that the university, and what we just say before, that the university was the ideal venue for carrying out this project, which is why he devoted his own life to teaching and training a generation of socialists and left-wing activists all over these campuses. Over time, Marcuse believed the university could produce a new type of culture, and that culture would then amount into the larger society to infect the media the movies, even the lifestyle of the titans of the capitalist class itself, a.k.a. what do we have that are rich and capitalist? All these politicians, right? All these socialists in Hollywood, all these big business corporate owners who are now, to this day, still donating money to socialist organizations or Marxist organizations or Black Lives Matter, still to this day, and it's crazy. And I'm sure a lot of you guys know that by now. This is very, very dangerous. Even back then, the same routine, the same steps were taken. And I hope you guys can understand where I'm coming from with this. And we need to get the history out as much as we can. Marcuse's project, the takeover of the American university, to make it a tool of socialist indoctrinization, did not succeed in his lifetime. Thank goodness. But here we are, guys. In fact, as mentioned above, he got the boot when Reagan pressured the regents of the university system not to re renew Marcuse's contract because he was labeled as a traitor. In time, however, Marcuse succeeded as the activist generation of the 1960s um, in which he gradually took over the elite university. So today, socialist indoctrination, indoctrinization is a norm on the American campus. And Marcuse's dream has been realized through repressive tolerance. 
So denouncing people that aren't for your that aren't for your cause. You know, placing people at people like you and me, and it doesn't matter what race we are, as the working class, as the evil part of society, as people that don't deserve to have anything, and that we are oppressing everybody else. And I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys know where I'm coming from with this. It is a very dangerous notion to even continue to allow this to happen, right? It, and I want you guys to understand something. That what we're seeing right now, if we do not fight back, if we do not educate our youth about what's going on, we're going to be in deep trouble later on. You can already see it happening, can't you? With our youth, with how they're treating our, you know, their parents, how they're treating our elders, how they're talking to each other, how they're all entitled and spoiled. Not, not the majority of them are being taught about patriotism. This is a very dangerous notion, people. We need to be more aware at this point. Now, let's talk about the repressive tolerance that I just mentioned, right? Marcuse was also considered the philosopher of Antifa. Okay? He argued in a very famous essay, again, called Repressive Tolerance, that tolerance is not a norm or right that should be extended to all people. Yes, tolerance is good, but not when it comes to people who are intolerant. So we've already been labeled as intolerant because we don't want to um, cater to the socialist agenda, right? We are not for being socialist. So therefore, we are intolerant and that we are oppressing people. It is perfectly fine, he goes to say, to be intolerant against them, the capitalists, the people that are patriots, right? To the point of disrupting them and shutting down their events and preventing them from speaking, even destroying their careers and property. There you have it, folks. Very, very dangerous notion. Marcuse didn't use the term hater, but he invented the argument that it's legitimate to be hateful against haters. For Marcuse, there were no limits to what could be done to discredit and ruin such people. So people like you and me, we're haters because we're not for socialism. Hi, Stephen. How are you? Good to see you, my friend. We got a couple people watching on uh, YouTube and on Instagram. Glad to have you guys aboard. If you're just tuning in, I'm talking about a, which is very ironic, a Jewish Nazi by the name of Herbert Marcuse. If you don't know history about him, please look him up. He's the reason why we have our socialists and Antifa of today. And, um, he had infiltrated universities and, you know, took people of color, took feminists, took people that were of gay or whatever sexual orientation and rallied them all together to make them feel like they were oppressed and um, went to universities and brainwashed people about how good socialism is and how, how that we're all equal under socialism, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm writing from an essay in which um, he speaks about, you know, and Antifa follows this message. Okay, so again, from Marcuse, even approved of certain forms of domestic terrorism, such as the weather underground bombing the Pentagon or the grounds that the perpetrators were attempting to stop the greater violence that U.S. forces inflict on people in Vietnam. So the same people, and I was saying this before in another live video, the same people, the same hippies, the same idiots who didn't understand why we were fighting in Vietnam. Um, were the same ones disillusioned enough, brainwashed enough to treat our soldiers like garbage when they got back. So they were throwing crap at the buses when they returned into Washington, D.C. for a, you know, a celebration. Um, they were the ones, you know, chastising the American soldier and the patriot for standing behind the soldiers during the Vietnam War. These are the same people. Um, and it's because of this, this asshole, Herbert, you know, Herbert. Marcuse, the Jewish Nazi, if there is such a thing. So our world is quite different now from what it was in the 1960s. And I'm sure you guys know that. And yet there is so much that seems eerily familiar. When it comes to identity, socialism, and politics, we are still living and we are still, you know, being forced to deal with Marcuse's legacy. 
So, you know, I had mentioned five different types of socialists and communists in the past couple live videos. And everyone needs to understand at this point that it's real and that our universities have been infiltrated for a very, very long time now. And they've been allowed to have their, 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 you know, their, their gender classes, their feminist study groups. They've allowed to congregate and, and formulate socialist rallies. They've allowed to recruit different types of liberal propaganda and put them all over campus. You know, I don't know about you guys, but uh, at least Charlie Kirk is trying to, you know, get the Turning Point USA and every single campus to combat this. Because if they can have whatever they want, why can't patriots have whatever they want to combat and fight it back? Or have freedom of speech, right? If the liberals can do whatever they want in these campuses, then we should be allowed to do the same and fight back. You know, so that was about the the philosopher of Antifa, right? This this Jewish Nazi, this self-proclaiming hypocrite who had helped rally people on you know university camp, you know, campuses and made them feel oppressed, like they weren't worth anything. And he was laughing about it the whole time. He was using them because he knew he could. And I hopefully, you know, hopefully some of you guys wake up to that notion. In fact, that yes, young people have been brainwashed. Young people have, you know, have been seen as weak. And that's not fair to our youth, but it's unfortunate. That's the way they're being taught. And we have to fight back. You know, and um, cancel culture is real. You know, you got you got Goya Foods being canceled, being boycotted. But then again, you got Starbucks and RN being boycotted for what they stand for. You got you guys got to realize cancel culture is bullshit, right? You can choose the shop somewhere or not choose the shop somewhere. It's up to you. But if you ask me, if companies are for you know bad intentions and bad notions, then we should boycott them. But just because a you know a company is for a great person like our president. Therefore, we should boycott. How does that make sense to you? You know, what we're witnessing today is the first, is not, it's not the first attempted takeover by radicals and socialists. Okay. In the 1800s, it happened. In the 1700s, it happened. Even in the 1600s, it happened all around the globe. And, you know, you can tell China has been like that for quite some time. You know, if you guys look, if you guys look up the Paris Commune of the late 1800s, it was the first so-called socialist communist revolution in Europe. At the end of the commune, a takeover of parts of Paris, over 200 buildings were torched. Are we not paying attention to history, people? Buildings are being torched as we speak. I don't know if you guys saw that there's more rallies and more protests and more this and more that. In Queens and in and in and in Brooklyn, and now now you got BLM hijacking you know ridiculous amounts. They're, they're hijacking ice cream trucks now and jumping up and down, saying how the ice cream song is racist when it wasn't even the original song. I mean, guys, we got to look at history. We need to march. We need to march against this this scum of the earth, if you want to call them that. These brainwashed individuals. We need to help wake them up by teaching them about the Marxist history. From the 1960s and up in our in our country, in the 1800s, it started to happen in, in Europe. This is where it came from. Hello, sir. Who else do we have here? See, so we got some more viewers. Joseph Di Pasquale, my friend. It was a fantastic march. I was happy to be a part of it. And let me tell you, we are in trouble. We are in trouble. I'm just going over some history lessons about where else the Marxist and communist revolutions happened across the world. And why we need to be more vigilant and wake people up and speak more about how these same movements back then are the same movements that we are seeing today. History is repeating itself, as you know. So I'm talking about the Paris Commune in the 1800s. And at the end of the Commune, a takeover of so-called you know, so socialist communist revolutionaries torched 200 buildings. Countless statues and works of art were desecrated and destroyed. And, the, and, and we're talking about statues that were very old, several hundred years old, right? Now, there were 40,000 commune members. Started one minute, you know, and the thing is this. They also pulled down statues. They also torched buildings. But yet, 
they were also met with people that didn't like it. They didn't want anyone to be there. You know, they were finally met with force. And I think at this point, that's what we need to do. The police are feeling overwhelmed and overrun or being, you know, um, disparaged from doing their job. Then it needs to be the Patriots job. In my opinion. And you know what the funny part about the Paris Commune? Even back then, that happened 150 years ago. It's not that long ago. It's not that long ago. The Paris Commune, the hippiest movement of the 1960s, the radical socialists and communists. You know, if, and again, being that we're on the Relentless Patriot Network, I give anybody that would like to come on and speak, go live and let people know how relentlessly patriotic you are. So if you would like to say a couple words or bring on more information and educate everyone, now's the time to do so. Now's the time to stand up and fight together and speak out against this hypocritical movement of socialism and communism. You know, and it's a, it's a shame how it's affecting our youth. For those of you that haven't seen the rest of my live videos, my friends, there are so many that I've gone over, over at least 10 different socialists throughout time. The Leninites, Lenin himself, Marxists, Marxists, you know, and his followers. The Ho Chi Minh from Vietnam, one of the biggest perpetrators. In China, the same thing. And China's rise is peaking out. Several Chinese insurgents have infiltrated our country and other countries to get people on this whole socialist communist liberation party. You know, population, uh, China's population, guys, is aging at a rate and scale that is historically unprecedented, as you guys know. That nation is expected to lose 40 million working age persons this century. And the number is already falling. There is an 18% gender imbalance in the country's population. China's birth rate never recovered from its multi-decade one-child socialist policy. On the military side, China's geographic circumstances can only be described as bottled up and vulnerable. So like the same thing that's going on over there, you're, you're limiting people. I mean, as you guys know, also as a whole, the whole entire planet is in a depopulation process because that's what the, the globalists want. They want abortion. They want people to kill off their youth. They want people to be high on drugs and be about socialist communists movements in which it does nothing for anyone. They want people to be brainwashed so they can depopulize and have everyone under the new world order and all become globalists together. It's all for the greater good. We've got to have POTUS's back, everyone. You know, at this point, I've never voted for a president, but this time I just might. You know, the president's not for defunding the police. The president's for protecting and preserving our country. And no more statues should be ripped down. I don't know if you guys just saw what happened in Chicago today, but the police were overrun. And why was there only 12 police officers on bicycles without armor, without shields, going up against tons of Antifa members and liberals and socialists in the heat, having stuff tossed at them, having names being slurred at them? How was it that no one came to their aid? No one came to their aid. Not one patriot. They were all left to suffer. And as a result, whatever statue they were guarding, I believe it was, it was another George Washington monument or what whatnot, was desecrated, spray painted. Stuff was being thrown at it. You know, like, uh, when are we the people going to stand up? We the people have had enough. And I am so disappointed in people that rather think that putting a black profile picture is going to help out African-Americans still to this day when they have not once, not once helped another African-American or helped another patriot or helped anyone or befriended or done anything or donated any of their time to inner city, either, either soup kitchens or helping to rebuild a rec center like I did in Patterson. Like you want to talk about hypocritical movements and the not in my backyard movement in theory. It's right here in front of us, ladies and gentlemen. And we need to be pro-police, pro-military, and pro-POTUS at this point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Joe says Joe's, Joe here says it best. 
Democratic dirtbag liberal mayors and governors, because that's what they are, guys. Let's let's call the kettle black at this point, because that's what it is. That's what's going on. And at the same time, they're having all these people infiltrate our schools and brainwash our youth to think the same way about our country and about white people. For those of you that were there at the march today, you saw several people give us the finger. You saw several people call us racist. You have people stopping at traffic lights, giving us the finger and saying, you guys are racist. And it's like, well, how could I be racist when a lot of good friends of mine are black? Let's let's think to ourselves what patriotism is and what socialism is and what tyranny is. It's very easy to differentiate between the two, isn't it? And to learn from history. These people have not learned about history. They have not learned about the 1960s or the 1800s with the Paris Commune and the hippiest movement during Vietnam. They haven't learned that these same people, same types of people throughout history had carry on the legacy of all these selfish leaders who want nothing to do with capitalism and nothing to do with the greatness of a nation, but the greatness of their own egos, their ethos, we call it. The magic in the air, their feelings. Now, let's go on to talk about identity politics. Okay? Let's talk about how identity politics is affecting us. And I'm going to read from an article from the Claremont Review of Books. It's a very good place to find um, different articles which it calls out what's been going on especially in terms of identity politics and socialism. So in October of 2019, a British court ruled that Dr. David Macarith could be fired from his job as a healthcare provider because he believed that God created mankind in his image, male and female. So right away, as you can see, these Democratic, and remember, Britain is controlled by Democrats and liberals, and they are anti-religious. Yeah, you, no, Joe, you're absolutely right. If parents don't teach their kids, we're gonna be, <laughs> we're gonna be in for a big, big surprise later on. There will be a revolution. Okay. Now, since this doctor was was being ridiculed for being religious, um, he was obviously unwilling to agree that a man may meaningfully claim to be a woman. The court therefore decided that the belief in Genesis and the conscientiousness objection to transgenderism are incompatible with human dignity. So again, just like the what we were talking about with Marcuse, the labeling, the guilt tripping, that you are not for us and therefore you are against us, and you need to have your career canceled and your life canceled, is right here and self-evident. There's tons of cases like this, by the way. If you don't believe me, just look it up, right? So identity politics, guys, has come to the mean, the endless fermenting of racial animus, vilification of all things male, and insistence that sexually eccentric people of all kinds be not only toler uh, tolerated, but idolized. Yeah, I, uh, yes, I did. And I saw a couple different articles. And one article made us look like a bunch of, you know, uh, you know, oh, Trump supporters in the silent majority. Yeah, well, guess what? That's what we are. And we're proud to be them. And I'm pretty sure a lot of other patriots are too, right? I was hoping that through doing these marches together, guys, we can help combat this sickness that has been inflicted upon we the people. And I know, I know a lot of you out there are just as tired as I am about how much we've been bullied for the past two decades about being patriotic. I don't know about you, but we first need to reinstate the Pledge of Allegiance. We first need to have these kids realize what it is. A lot of kids don't even know it now. They don't even know the name. What's the Pledge of Allegiance? I don't know. I don't know. Just something that they have a say because it's, you know, that's what the racists want. Terrible. You know, so, okay, so the article goes on to say, it's polymorphic grievances and calls are, you know, for retribution have reached a pitch of ferocity and illogic that would drive any thinking person to distraction. You know, and this is important. They're using people as part of this movement. 
the same way they're using the transgender, the LGBTQ, you know, group for this same reason, for the same reason of you are oppressed by the capitalists, by the religious people, by the Christians, you know, do whatever you want to do, but leave me out of it. And don't, and don't try to change, you know, natural biology, you know, be what you want to be, do what you want to do. But at the same time, you shouldn't tell anyone else what they need to believe. And I'm pretty sure you guys know that. Good. I'm, I'm glad that we're going into Patterson. And I'm glad that we are going to fight. And I'm glad that we need to stick up for what's been going on. Murphy and, you know, Cuomo and Wolf and all those other a-holes, they have their time coming. And if they keep pressing the envelope. We, the people, will respond. We have to. It is our job. It is our duty as American citizens to be patriotic at this point, relentlessly. We don't have a choice, ladies and gentlemen. They're not giving us much. They took away our jobs. They took away our livelihoods so we can conform to what they want us to conform to. And that what we, the people, have been taught that America is all about. America is a place of opportunity for all. America is a place of freedom. And we need to start rallying behind that more than anything. You know, so this book, this book is crazy because there's several um, types of uh, events that have happened here. I'm just going to see if I can bring in a relentless patriot real quick to have him talk. And again, for those of you that are watching or tuning in, please feel free to jump on and say a couple things. You're welcome to. And it doesn't matter. We can have a conversation. We can have a debate, whatever it may be. Let's be relentlessly patriotic while we're on here, shall we? You have my full-blown permission. Okay, now let's take a look here. All right, so we got Joey, Joe and Steven. Again, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I'm going to see if I can bring on a relentless patriot real quick and see if he'll be able to join us. And if you guys can, start a watch party. You know, get people involved in this group. You know, and uh, and share it all over your pages and your other groups. Start a watch party. Get more people involved with the conversation. I would love to hear from all of you. Yes, sir. Love you too. You know, like in a, in a, <laughs> in a non-discretionary way. And I'm just going to give him some information here. Jump on, jump on, jump on. Let me see. I don't know if you guys can. Let's see if I can invite some more people here. And we can talk. Oh, we can talk. We can talk all day about this. But I have a lot of people that are just, you know, at this point, they're highly, highly upset about what's going on. And um, let me see if I can get them in here real quick, guys. Please bear with me. But I hope you enjoyed that uh, couple of those articles that I shared about which they have indoctrinated our youth that have brainwashed a lot of, you know, a lot of the younger generation into thinking that Marxism is cool. And then if you're not, you know, if you're not for it, then you're against, you know, you know, being hip and you hate America, therefore it's cool. And then, you know, the whole thing happens. I'm glad I've met you too. We, we need to be part of history now and we need to make our own history. If you ask me, it's time, right? It's time to rally together for patriotism, for love of country, everyone. And we can't be shy about it anymore. We just can't. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm extremely upset with what's been happening. And I know a lot of you guys. And I look up to the generation that has come before us, you know, for, for inspiration. You guys are the ones, for the most part, that have taught, you know, my generation how to love this country. My grandparents taught me how to love this country. My parents taught me how to love this country. And that we shouldn't have to you know, think about all the bad things this country has done. Every country has done bad things, but we're still not going to be here and say that this country is completely racist because of white people. When you have more black people that are billionaires in the world, you know, in comparison to anywhere, any other country, when you have more Asian and Indian billionaires, millionaires, and people that are able to kind of formulate and become successful and have families of their own, now, you know, this brings me to my next point. We know about the article that happened in the African American Museum of Natural History. Why is this being allowed? Why is it why is having a family being considered white? You know, like why can't black people have a family? Why can't black people be successful? You know, automatically this is a, an oppression issue. And people keep 
pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and putting it in people's faces. Don't you guys understand that BLM's roots are tied into fascist dictatorships, into the CCP for goodness sake? If you guys aren't familiar with the CCCP, you know, it's, it's crazy.